0: All right, let's jump into the Word here this morning. We're going to be—if you have your Bibles with you—you you can go ahead and turn to the book of uh, John, the Gospel according to John. Who likes change in here? Anybody like change? Not like quarters and nickels. Like change. You, uh, I'm a—I'm a big change guy. I love—I love change. I thrive in change. I'm a typically. Uh, uh, And uncertainty, and I love change all the way down to and and Bethany does too. Uh, You know, we we change our living room and dining room around. You know, you come in one day and uh, one time we had an apartment at Moorhead. We moved the bedroom into the living room. Somebody showed up like our bed was, and we had all our couches back in the bed. We just love change to change things up. And sometimes we get into life, and uh, there are things we need changed in, in in. in our own situations. And, um, and I was thinking about as we were, we were going to go after this last sermon series, and I shared with you earlier, we are going to get to next week, we're going to start in the book of Romans. Uh, and I, this is just a rich place to get a full depth of understanding. Paul makes the case of the gospel to the church at Rome in the book of Romans. We're going to get a full understanding of what the gospel is, who Jesus is, what the world is, who we are, who we are in Christ. It's going to be an incredible journey. It's not going to be a six-week journey, okay? This is going to be, we're going to spend some time in Romans. Um, And I thought, this week, what I'd like to do and how we're going to do this is we're also going to have two series kind of going at the same time. Is that okay? Can you all handle that? No? Yeah, you can do it. We got some, we got some... Head saying yes. Uh, we're going to do the miracles of Jesus, so we're going to work. We're going to spend several weeks at a time in Romans, and then we'll bounce to a miracle of Jesus. Does that sound fair every few weeks? So we're going to start this morning, the first miracle Jesus ever performed. Because you've got Paul writing to the Romans, telling them about Jesus, and so we're going to intermingle in that series stories of Jesus and the miracles that he performed. Is that all right? Everybody in? All right, that's what we're going to do. So this morning, we're starting with the first miracle And uh, in this situation, um, and and we find that when we need change in our life, the one thing that can guarantee change for the good is the presence of Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about this first miracle uh, that he performs, and you probably know it uh, very well, uh, Jesus is at a wedding in Cana, uh, in Galilee, and he changes water into wine. You know this story. We'll read the verses in just a minute. Um, and I just thought about how different this event turned out because he was there. <laughs> I mean, it's totally different because he was there. Not because his disciples were there, not because his mother was there, uh, not because uh, they had enough money, but because he was present, things were different. We got these shirts at Faith Life Market that say Difference Maker. We pulled that from the, the Jesus Sermon on the Mount. Said we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, you know, light of the world, light in darkness. Right? Light makes a difference. If we are in Christ, we become difference makers. We find that Jesus proves that in this story that He is the great difference maker. And so we're gonna we're gonna spend some time here. Let's read this scripture. We'll have a quick prayer, and then we're gonna dive in, uh, dive into it. Uh, John chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Uh, On the third day, that's not an accident. You see, John wrote this gospel about 35 to 40 years after he had experienced it. So he had time to reflect of the full story of Jesus. So he shares in here, just putting a little reminder of the third day is an important day, okay? On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? First of all, that is not Jesus being, uh, being rude, right? We've, we've heard men talk to women that way. Woman, right? So you hear that. They think Jesus is being like, That is not how he's talking to his mother. This was, in their culture, a respectful Response, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you, talking about Jesus. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. All right, that's the scripture, 1 through 11. First, let's, let's kind of get something out of the way. I'm not, I'm not preaching on alcohol this morning, okay? We're not going to dig into that, uh, but I will, I will share that this moment in uh, this story uh, of Jesus, the Greek word used here for wine was oinos. Oinos could be translated either grape juice or uh, fermented grape juice, which would be wine, which would be alcoholic. I read a thousand things last night. Nobody is really sure. What I do know is that the Bible and Jesus taught clearly against drunkenness. This idea that uh, Jesus at this party would have been there at this drunken party, that everybody was drunk. And he just used his spiritual power to pull in a few more kegs. (laughs) Is not accurate. I can promise you that. Okay? So I can't speak to you about whether or not this was alcoholic uh, beverage or not. But I can speak to the heart of what happens in this story. Okay? Can you all be with me there? I know he teaches against drunkenness. I believe it was probably... Grape juice. There's nothing fresher than fresh grape juice. Wine is fermented, and they said this was the best. It would have been sweeter. It would have been amazing. I don't know the truth, but I know what Jesus teaches throughout the rest of the Bible and what it teaches in the whole, and it wouldn't contradict here what he teaches other places. So let's get that out of the way and say uh, Jesus is not the best party host. You know, that's not, uh, that's not what I'm thinking about. He's not a frat guy. All right. There's several things here. I want to look at five things. Five things in this situation that are completely different because Jesus showed up. Things that were changed. People that were changed. We're going to look at uh, five things. It's unique to me to find that Jesus is on this mission to save the world, and he's at a, a, a wedding, a get-together, right? A fun party. For some reason, a week ago, uh, Bethany's grandmother, Lorraine, I cracked a joke and said, what kind of chicken and dumplings are you making next Sunday after church? Because we love to celebrate and get together and eat, especially when somebody else is cooking. And somehow that turned into a full-blown Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody in our family is making turkeys and, like, and so what I thought was going to be like, she's going to cook dinner for us, showed up now, we got a turkey in our oven, and we're making all this stuff. Because we love to celebrate, enjoy time together. And we find that Jesus, in the midst of this great mission, takes time to relate directly with people. To enjoy his time here on this earth. I'm going to ask you this morning, do you need something changed? Let's just start there. Do you need something changed? Let's look at the first thing that happens here. We're going to look at Mary. It's never mentioned by name in the Gospel according to John. I don't know why John never calls her Mary, uh, he always calls her the mother of Jesus. Uh, it, most people believe that Joseph had passed away by, by this time, he's never mentioned in the adult life uh, of, of Jesus. And so we find here this this setting where Jesus at a wedding. We find that his mom is there, and that she must be concerned. She must be involved in the wedding some way. Some people believe it might have been the wedding of one of Jesus' brothers, uh, but she was so concerned that when the wine was running out, she was behind the scenes trying to figure it out. All right. So this is this is the setting. This is where they are, and uh, and so and so Mary, who has grown up with this boy, and it says that that. Mary knew all the truth about who he was. You remember the angel came and spoke to her. She knew that he was going to be uh, God uh, with us, the Messiah. she'd raised him, she knew who he was, and it says that she placed those things in her heart and held tight to them. so in this situation where she saw them running out of wine, we find who she went to and i was and I was thinking, you know was she I don't know that she was coming asking for a miracle necessarily. Because he says this was the first of his signs. This is the first recorded miracle. I think she was just coming to her son, who she knew would figure out a way to solve the problem. And so when she comes and talks to him, uh she's she comes to him and uh she comes to him and says, They have no wine. She doesn't say, Jesus, you gotta figure this out. Because we can't see her eyes or facial expressions, right? Obviously, he took it that she was wanting him to figure it out. So maybe it was, they have no wine, right? What are you going to do? She didn't have to say, what are you going to do? She said it with her body language. What are we going to do? We need you. I need you to help me uh, figure this out. The way he says this to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour not yet come. See, something's getting ready to change Mary and Jesus' relationship. She was his natural mother, and she had spent some years being able to tell him what to do as a mother, as a mom. And Jesus is speaking to her, and in this moment, he's revealing to her that he is now reporting to a higher power. That while she is still his mom and he respects her greatly in their earthly relationship, that the driver of spiritual miracles and what's going to happen is is his father in heaven. And their relationship is about to change. And this is an amazing thing because the the very mother of Jesus needed him as her spiritual salvation as much as we do. And the relationship was about to change, and he was letting her know, you are still my earthly mom, but I have a heavenly father. And you see, she needed some things changed. And uh, one thing I love that she did, and you you can jot this down, that when she faced this problem, when we face problems, sometimes we run all over the place trying to sort it out we call the caterer, we call the next person, we go look in the the cupboard for extras, we go to the neighbor's house, yet we find she brought the problem straight to Jesus, straight to him. She trusted his ways more than hers. Isn't that so hard to do sometimes? when we're trying to solve our own problems in our own lives. Yet she knew if I could just get this problem to him, to my son, Jesus Christ, the one that they told me, uh, that the, the angel came and told me would be the Messiah and named him, that I raised, uh, that this is the one. If I can get it to him, if we could only have that approach with the problems in our life to get it to Jesus We see also here we see Mary was changed the relationship was beginning to change between her and Jesus we see here there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 i mean this was a lot of wine he made it's about 150 120 to 150 what is that 6 times 20 be 120 6 times 30 100, 120 to 180 gallons of wine this was likely a large wedding. Weddings at this time could last several days. Um, these stone water jars, the purification, this was really, this was a, you know, they were they were COVID prepared. right? the Jewish were they they washed their hands before they ate. This was really what this water was used for, to be scooped up and wash any uncleanness off of their hands. It was part of their ritual and process. And so we see something at the core of this story getting ready to be changed is this water what at one time was sitting in a corner that would be used to just clean hands at the beginning of a ceremony is about to experience a relationship with its creator are you with me? And it's no longer just water. It becomes the centerpiece. It becomes the greatest thing that this bridegroom, that that the, the, the the head caterer has ever tasted. You see, what we find here in this change, this demonstration of God's absolute ability, his strength. And power to exhibit change, to just change it like that. He didn't wave a hand over it. He, he didn't go over to it and say abracadabra. He just thought it in his head, and the molecular structure of water changed. It can be a reminder of us that he uses what is available. That what was once an empty vessel, he can fill. That something that already has been used for its purpose can find new purpose. And it can remind us that though we come to Christ and we give our heart to him, we put our trust in him, that he is absolutely sovereign and has the power to change your heart like that. He has the power to change. Jesus said to the servants, We found Mary, is, or I'm going to call her Mary since that's her name, even though it doesn't say it in here. She says this to Jesus, said, We're running out of wine. Jesus said, Why are you talking to me? It's not my responsibility. It's not time yet. Um, but he chooses to go ahead and fulfill this request. Not just because his mom asked, because it must have been in line with God, what God had for him to do. And so when she sees in his face that he's going to do something, she looks to the servant and says, Do whatever. Who says? Jesus says. Who's this lesson of obedience, right? What's well, going to really happen for these servants. They've heard Mary look at them. I can't explain to you how stressed out they are. I need to take just a second so you can really get the gist of this. At a wedding at this time of this culture, they run out of wine. It's actually punishable by law. A law of hospitality. That this is not, you know, y'all had weddings. I've had a wedding. Things didn't go exactly perfect. And I don't even remember those now. This would have been a thing that it, had it happened at this wedding, had they ran out of wine, it would have been an embarrassment to this family. I mean, a a. This would have been something 25 years later, they'd have been saying, can you believe at so-and-so's wedding they ran out of wine? These servants have been hired, and uh, lots of kind of thoughts about why they ran out of wine. It may have been a budget. Y'all ever have a wedding on a budget? I mean, more people show up than you planned, and all of a sudden you're running out, and they couldn't afford enough wine. Uh, We don't know. But these servants who had been charged to keep serving wine, the crowd didn't know it yet. The bridegroom didn't know it yet. But they were almost out of wine. They'd gone to the decanter or whatever it was. They'd gone to the soda machine, and the last drop had come out, and nobody had asked yet. This is a stressful situation right now in this moment in time. All right? So Mary says to him, do whatever he says. Jesus looks over at the hand-washing sink. Okay? You're these servants. Your life, your livelihoods online, you're probably gonna never get another gig if you don't have wine. Jesus says, fill up the hand washing barrels with water. We'd have been like, that's stupid. <laughs> what does that have to do with wine? We need wine, Jesus. That's not what they said. They went and got water, they filled them up. It filled them to the brim, it says. And he said to them, now draw some out. Draw some out and take it. Take it to the master of the feast. This is the head caterer, the headmaster, if you will. Take it to the master of the feast. Now, we've really been saying, no. Not only uh, am I not doing that, not only uh, are we out of wine, now you want me to take them dirty water. Now, they're going to get mad when it's water. When they find out it's the water that everybody washed their hands in. I'm dead. But we find these last four words of this verse. We could hear, we could let into our heart. It just says, so they took it. See, these servants, their lives... Were about to change. They were under tremendous stress, yet they were obedient when it seemed foolish, when it looked like it didn't make any sense in the world. They stepped out on faith. They trusted what Jesus was going to do. They risked their own personal reputation to take. I mean, would you all have done it? To The headmaster, here's some dirty hand-washing water. Take a sip. Somewhere between there and the obedience of them taking those steps in their obedience, because that's what Jesus had told them to do, the water began to change. Amen. And by the time they got to their boss, they took it over to him, they give it to him, and I, I'd have been going. And then am running, right? You hand it off, and you're out of there. I don't want to see what happens when he tastes this. says when he tasted it, it would become wine. He didn't know where it came from, but it says something changed here for the servants. They knew. (laughs) They knew where this came from. You see, Jesus had been, the word was getting around that he was going to be a Messiah. He'd called, he had uh, four of his disciples with him at this point. He hadn't even called all 12 yet. He had Andrew and and Peter um, and two others. Uh, Philip, and we don't know the fourth one, they were with him. They'd been around three days. If you go back and look at the first chapter of John, he'd called these fishermen. They'd followed him. Philip had gone with them, and now they're at this wedding with this guy that, that spoke to them and called them, and they believed might be the Messiah, but they didn't know yet. And so these servants have no idea who he is, but they know he is not just another teacher, not just another rabbi. Because they're the ones that scooped the water themselves and saw the change. So we've seen three. We've seen Mary. We've seen the water itself. We've seen the servants. And then we see the bridegroom. I want to just pause here for a minute while you think about this person. In our culture, who's the centerpiece of our wedding? The bride, good answer. In their culture, the centerpiece of the wedding was the bridegroom. The groom, it was the exact opposite. The groom's family paid for the entire wedding, covered the entire expense. They were the centerpiece. So this was going to be an embarrassment upon them and their family if they couldn't figure this out. So they called the bridegroom over. I want you to just wait here for a minute. Here's the bridegroom. Guess what? He doesn't know anything about. They've not told him yet. He didn't even know he was at risk. He didn't know that everything was falling apart, that the whole place was getting ready to come to shambles because they were going to run out of wine. He did not even know what I want to call him is the unworthy beneficiary of what Jesus just did. He did not even know. You see, he had not even asked Jesus yet to solve this problem, and Christ had already solved it. We find that Jesus cares about our personal concerns, and this is a lot like us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us before we even knew we had a problem of sin, before we were even born. He had gone and paid the price so that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We are just an unworthy beneficiary of his grace and his mercy. We find we could spend some time here. We're not. That what Jesus created was better than anything that ever tasted. <laughs> That'll preach for a while. Verse 11, we find the fifth thing that was changed. John said it this way. He said, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee. First of all, Cana is, this is a rural town. There's a great debate in archaeology about where this town even is. It was so small. Jesus did it at Canaan and Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples. The disciples that probably behind Jesus' back while they were making this three-day journey to this wedding were saying, "Where are we going?" Who is this guy? Are we sure we want to do this? They had been moved from doubt. Because Jesus had shown his first sign to bring himself glory. And it says, and his disciples... Believed in him. They'd followed him here to this wedding. We see that Jesus began to reveal himself in this moment in this time. See, if we really want to be changed, we have to acknowledge the way he's revealing himself to us. <laughs> And listen, he is putting people in your life that are praying for you. He's putting, he's putting uh, uh, circumstances in your life that are telling you he loves you. He is inviting you in. And you. it is up to us to acknowledge those and believe. See, this was the beginning of something incredible because Jesus is on this mission to change the world by saving it. <laughs> This was a moment in time for his ministry that he God had been preparing him for this moment, and this was the first sign, the first miracle he performed to let those in that presence know that I am, I am, I am, a, I am a son of Joseph, but I am the son of the Almighty. I'm a hundred percent man, but I'm a hundred percent. God, this is one, we did not do this just because I cared about the bridegroom. I didn't care about just this situation. Any miracle, any sign that that God changes your situation is always about an attempt to change our heart. You see, we beg God to change situations. And we forget that He always uses situations to change our heart. to draw us closer to Him, to grow our faith. It amazes me that what started here in Jesus' ministry as it continues, you think, did Jesus change the world? a man a real hu- human a real person that people met saw spent time with changed the world and and one of the things that always amazes me think about your birth year the entire world measures years from the day that he was born from the year that was born whatever your birth year is that is, is called, uh, uh, let me get it right, Ado Domini. That's not right, but it's close. It's Latin. I can't speak Latin. But it means the year of our Lord. That our calendar hinges upon his life. And in this moment, he was beginning to live out his mission to change the world sometimes we want God to change our situation he really just wants to change our heart they saw here as Jesus began to reveal his glory who he really was when Jesus ascended into heaven he said another will come it will be your comforter See, I I said earlier that this wedding was different because Jesus was present. I want to tell you something this morning. The Holy Spirit is present here in this room, in this place. And when Jesus is present, when the Holy Spirit is present, there's no giant too large, nothing no enemy too powerful, no one, nothing so broken that it can't be made whole. I'm inviting you this morning. This is where I want to invite you. I want you to bring the thing. I want you to bring it into his presence. The title of the sermon is Be Changed. We find that because Jesus was there, Mary was changed, the water was changed, the servants were changed, the bridegroom, his entire wedding was changed, the disciples' hearts we're changed. I'm inviting you to lay down your life, to surrender to His call, to acknowledge that He is God and we're sinful. I'm broken to acknowledge that we are the unworthy beneficiary of His righteousness and His grace. To acknowledge that it requires our belief in Him. It says they believed, and that changed everything uh, for them. Yet he is still a God in absolute strength and power to change you. That we could be obedient, even when it seems foolish and it doesn't make sense, that we will take and scoop out the dirty water and believe it will turn to wine. To bring your own personal circumstances, your broken situation that feels hopeless, find his mercy, his grace compassion, I invite you this morning to be changed. To be changed from lost to saved. From a slave to sin to a slave to righteousness. To be changed from doubt to belief. To be changed from sinful and guilty to forgiven and righteous as we get ready for a song I want to point out one thing early on in these verses Jesus was present but this is a little thing that just snuck in there really as I was thinking about it on my way up here this morning if you go back to those first verses we find that he was invited to this wedding. So if you're struggling this morning in your heart, I'm asking you, have you really invited Jesus into your heart? Have we invited him into this situation to give him control, trust his way instead of ours? to trust Him, to use whatever circumstances are happening in our life to change our hearts. God, we thank You for this time, this opportunity to be confident and know that You are our way maker. God, that when we get into situations that seem impossible, God, when we can only imagine things being halfway better, You can do unimaginably more God if we invite you in we know that while you can change situations you're more concerned about our hearts God let us all stand together this morning as we get ready for this song and God we're just going to pour our hearts one if we're Christians we're going to thank you for your power to change us we've seen the difference in our own lives and how changing hearts changes families and relationships. And God, we're just going to pray that you change. We're going to invite you into this presence, and we're going to sing our confidence and our trust in you to be our difference maker. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He's here in our midst. All you have to do is invite him into your heart. Working out problems you don't even know you have Demonstrating his love and mercy
1: With us. And you are Waymaker Miracle work is a God
0: has got it on your heart to pray to bring things to this now
1: stop You never stop working you are here turning he light right here in this place I worship you
0: if his spirit I is here he's calling you. you he's saying just come unto me and I'll give you rest for your soul One more time with You are Waymaker,
1: Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, my
0: thankful for that. That is who you are. God, you're a difference maker. You're a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. God, we thank you for that. God, we pray we just have the strength, the conviction to bring our problems to you, to trust you to solve them. God, to just break our sometimes prideful hardened hearts to realize the truth is we need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We thank you for being here today. We thank you. God, we thank you. Thank thank him that he is a way maker. Take that with you this week. No one. That you can be changed when you invite Jesus into your life, into your situation. Um, Thanks for joining online. Thanks for being here in person. I pray you have a blessed week. Join us next Sunday as we kick off Romans. uh, Saturday night, next week, we will be having our recovery event. So share that online. Invite people you know that may need it, um, that would like to come and be a part of it. And we'll pray God blesses and moves in a big way. Have a wonderful week. my shame